This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. Sal Palantonio was on in Charlotte this morning and said Matt Rule was going to win a Super Bowl for the Carolina Panthers. And you think it's hard to stay positive, huh? Why does Sal Pal believe this? Because he's a Philly guy who always has to say nice things about guys who are connected to that city? He says no. This sound you're about to hear comes courtesy of our friends at WFNZ. Right away, Matt Rule is going to be a success in the NFL. He is going to be a great, great head coach in the NFL for a long time. The Panthers are going to win a Super Bowl with Matt Rule. Woo! He's going to be good, and not only that, I'm going to top it. He's going to win a Super Bowl for the Panthers. Who we Sal? Who can dislike Sal Palantonio? Now, I don't want to be the guy to urinate on the party. Robert, he just wants some optimism. Aaron, he wants me to completely play down this path. Matt Rule, going to be a Super Bowl champion. Everybody's going to be happy and such. But the odds are against him, right? Like the Carolina Panthers, they had an MVP quarterback, a defensive player of the year on that team, and a two-time coach of the year. And that wasn't enough to win. You need a little bit of luck. Teddy Bridgewater, I like him. I think he's a good quarterback. Is he a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Probably not. He could be Jimmy Garoppolo. But Jimmy G was on a team that was loaded. They did everything they were supposed to do. They probably should have won that Super Bowl. They probably do nine times out of ten. But the difference maker was simply, you have Jimmy G. The Chiefs had Patrick Mahomes. That was the difference maker. The Colts, they do everything better as an organization than the Houston Texans. The Texans, they win the division. The Texans, they don't do anything as well as the Buffalo Bills do it organizationally. That sounds weird to say, but Brandon Bean has things turned around, new ownership in there. But the Texans, they win that playoff game because they have a better quarterback. So Carolina needs to get that figured out if Rule's going to win a Super Bowl. Also, right now, Robert, in all sincerity, right now, who is the Panthers' best defensive player? Who's the best defensive player on the Panthers at this moment? Honest question. It's got to be KK Short, right? KK seems like the answer. Maybe Shaq Thompson, but if I'm being honest, if if you ask me, is that guy a Pro Bowl, perennial Pro Bowl linebacker, or just a dude, and it has to be one of the two, I'm probably going to choose just a dude. I would agree with you. Dante Jackson, he has moments, but he's not an elite player. That Super Bowl team had Josh Norman when Josh Norman was a thing. KK Short was also on that Super Bowl team. So there's a lot that needs to happen before now and then, and it's smart by Sal Pal. He likes Matt Rule. Let's just say a great thing that no one's going to remember if he never wins a Super Bowl five or six years from now. See, that's a dirty secret with what we do in this medium. You're going to see a lot of people say things that are going to happen three, four, five years from now, and if they get it right, oh, they will remind you. But if they get it wrong... Nobody is going to remember it whatsoever. Hashtag sports radio. So many great coaches haven't won a Super Bowl. 
So this isn't me saying Rule's going to be a bad coach. He could be great and still never win. How about? I mean, we just dealt with it with Riverboat Ron. Ron's a good coach. I'd argue a great coach. He maximized the talent he had. He never lost fewer than five games, five or six games with the Panthers his entire tenure. This is an organization that on average is 500 as, as an organization through 25 years. But think about the greats who have never won. Marty Schottenheimer, Sam Weich, Bud Grant, Bruce Arians, Dan Reeves, Marv Levy, Andy Reid. It took him 20 years. He never had the quarterback. Just bad luck. I got a McNabb. Not good enough. I got Alex Smith. Not good enough. I got not peak talent Michael Vick. Not enough. Now he has Mahomes. It took him over 15 years to get here, but he now has the quarterback and he won. He got a stroke of luck. It took a while. Also, he's coming from college. That adds another layer to this. For every Jimmy Johnson out there, there's a Lou Holtz. There's a Bobby Petrino. For every Pete Carroll that's out there, there's a John McKay or a Butch Davis. For every Barry Switzer that's out there, there's a Steve Spurrier or an Al Groh. And Jimmy Johnson, Pete Carroll, and Barry Switzer, they did a lot more winning in college than Matt Rule did. I do like his approach, though. I've liked his approach so far. He's looking for a very specific culture to foster. David Tepper has insulated him with the funds, with the resources he needs in order to get what he wants. He's gotten the assistance he wanted, including Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator. And everybody he's brought in has some tie to Temple, to Baylor, to Matt Rule, his assistants. Robbie Anderson, an example of that. He's brought in P.J. Walker. The assistants, there's some tie there, whether it's Russell Okun's connection to Pat Meyer or Joe Brady's connection to Teddy Bridgewater. They're looking for something specific. He's bringing in guys who understand that. Your thoughts are welcome on Twitter at SportsUpTriad, 336-777-1600. A lot of stuff happening in college basketball right now in the ACC. We're going to talk to C.L. Brown about that. Duke just landed in the last two weeks a big man on the grad transfer route. They landed Patrick Tate. This is less than a week and a half ago. Well, Patrick Tate just decommitted from Duke. So what does that tell you? Should we read into it and think Vernon Carey might be deciding to return to Duke? Maybe a Cassius Stanley and that rotation's a little bit too much? We'll discuss that. Georgia Tech, it's official. The NCAA says that they have served their postseason ban, that them just not participating in the ACC tournament that got canceled halfway through was enough to warrant it being a postseason ban for Georgia Tech since they weren't there. So that's newsworthy. Bubba Cunningham, he's going to be a part of the NCAA basketball committee he's going to be taking the spot that Kevin White has had at Duke previously so I guess the state of North Carolina basketball it's still reigning supreme there and some sad news for Wake Forest 
as its former basketball great coach, Carl Tacey, passed away this morning at 87 years old. One of the three all-time winningest coaches for Wake Basketball. A couple of Elite Eight appearances as well. So we're seeing a lot of statements from Wake Forest, both from the athletics department and from Danny Manning, expressing their condolences to that family and celebrating the life of Carl Tacey. Speaking of Danny Manning, John Curry, I think there's a chance. John Curry may have already made his decision on Danny Manning, saying he's going to stay at Wake and we just don't know it yet. If that's the case, I wouldn't hold anything against him. I tried to reach out to Wake Forest yesterday to get Danny on the show, to get even John Curry on the show. They said for now they're going to pass. Completely understandable with everything going on as they try to get things straightened out, as we all try to figure out where the athletic departments are going to be, where college sports is going to be when this is all finished. But Curry, he's a different AD than Ron Wellman was. He has a different approach, a more modern approach. Wellman, when he decided to keep Danny, his first reaction was, let's have a press conference. And to be honest with you, it was a pretty awkward press conference. Usually when you have pressers, you're reporting news. Hey, we just signed this guy. Hey, we just drafted this guy. Hey, we have a new head coach. Hey, we're firing this coach. That press conference last year was, hey, we're not doing anything. Do you want to talk to Danny? Sure. And it was just a really awkward press conference. So this AD might do it different and say, okay, if we're keeping Danny, why are we having a press conference just to say we're keeping Danny? He's under contract. He's expected to recruit. He's expected to approach next year the same way he has in the past five years, five or six years. Also, Danny, he's active on social media. He's recruiting like he is going to have a job next year. It seems the exit interviews got done because he's doing team meetings on Zoom. That seems to be a good sign. He signed Ian Dubois, that grad transfer from Houston Baptist, who I think is going to be a starter at shooting guard immediately, replacing Andrian White. Listen, this is what I think it comes down to. The only way I see a change being made at this point, considering the economies in the tank, considering business people are frightened all across the country, so much so I don't see anybody lining up to pay $15 million, which it would cost to buy out Danny, in addition to trying to raise funds in order to get the next basketball coach. I don't see that happening anyway, but the only way that can change is if Chandi Brown and Olivier Saar transfer out or try to leave early to go to the NBA. And they haven't done that. At least not yet. That isn't to say that that can change. Uh, That can't change. But Michael Wynn, he transferred out earlier in March. And as Dubois was coming in, Sharon Wright Jr. decided to enter the transfer portal. So as long as Saar and Sean D are a part of this program, Wake has a really good team coming back. One I believe is Danny's strongest on paper. One I believe is an NCAA tournament team. So they might view it as, okay, why are we going to pay $15 million to potentially disrupt something that could be an NCAA tournament team? That's a question we'll ask C.L. Brown in a little over 15 minutes. Coming up, though. 
I'm all about Cam Newton rumors. But there's one that just needs to stop. This is The Drive. We're back on the air. It's The Drive. You suck. And yet you keep returning. Sports talk. It's offensive and people can get hurt. The Drive with Josh Graham. It ran. On Sports Hub Triad. C.L. Brown's one of the best college basketball writers that you're going to find. He has his own site, C.L. Brown Hoops. Dot com, and he's one of the people that warned me about the FBI investigation into college basketball right when it started. Saying, okay, well, why did they end the investigation as early as they did? On top of that, why aren't any of the people speaking to the government, why isn't any of it being corroborated at all? So I found that interesting as I watched the documentary The Scheme on HBO earlier in the week. It debuted two nights ago. CL now joining us. But before we get to that, the breaking news of the last few hours, Patrick Tape, who is a recent Duke commitment from... Uh, He's a grad transfer big man that was expected to potentially start for Duke next year. Really good. One of the top grad transfers... Uh, out there, just decommitted from Duke. And I wonder, CL, when you hear that happening, considering just how short uh, how short of a while ago it was that he uh, committed to Duke, should we read into this any deeper as it relates to other Duke guys on the roster when you see that a guy of this guy's, uh, a guy like this guy's stature decided to transfer and, uh, to Duke and then decommit? Uh, for me personally, no, it, it doesn't, I don't, I don't read anything extra into it as, as in somebody staying or going or anything like that. Uh, when you look at it, Duke got in recruiting him kind of late in the game. Um, he was, uh, heavily considering Syracuse, uh, I think USC and Ohio state were the other three major ones. Georgetown was also in the mix. So, um, when you think of the class that, that that Duke has coming in, it wouldn't surprise me if it was just a kid thinking about <laughs> playing time and, and you know, amount of touches and that kind of stuff, like how he was going to actually factor into the team because it's not like they don't have a lot of horses, uh, regardless of, say, a Vernon Carey Jr. Or, or Matthew Hurd or somebody deciding to stay um, as opposed to turn pro. So. <laughs> There are a number of things that could have factored in. I'm not sure that necessarily it's it's it had to do with somebody staying. And that's not uncommon. You have Boogie Ellis, for example, last year. He looked at the uh, landscape and thought he'd be better off playing somewhere else. And uh, that happens at some of the top schools, especially when you're recruiting as many good players as a place like Duke is. But when you look at Duke's social media, having a lot of Wendell Moore featured in it, Coach K said that, He's going to be one of the three guys he expects to test the waters, along with Trey Jones, who, of course, has declared for the NBA draft. Cassius Stanley is a guy that's interesting, but um, Kay hasn't said he expects him to test or to come back. Um, the other player he said, of course, was going to test is Vernon Carey, as you kind of noted there. If you had to guess, out of Hurt, out of Carey, Stanley, and uh, uh, on top of that, 
I'm forgetting one. Uh, and Wendell Moore. Who who comes back to Duke if you had to guess today? Uh, well, I think Wendell Moore for sure comes back to Duke. He didn't really he didn't really show his full potential. Um, you know, obviously he had the injury that kept him out a little bit. But he, to me, he never gained traction. And to me, he was always kind of uh, what I looked at as a glue guy at the beginning of the year who, who, you know, would need a couple of years in college before he was polished enough um, to go pro. I know this year is going to be a down year in the NBA draft. So I think some people that, you know, that may go higher <laughs> wouldn't in a normal year. But um, I'd, I'd be very surprised if Wendell Moore Jr. Uh, elects to, to leave campus. Um, and I'd probably say second to that is, uh, is Matthew Hurt. I would expect him also to come back, uh, mainly just from a strength perspective. He didn't really, you know, he, his body needs another year. He's, he's not an NBA-ready physically he's not NBA ready to go, which, you know, obviously never stopped anybody before. And they, yeah. they certainly will draft off a of potential, but I don't think, I don't think he's big enough on the radar right now uh, to, to take that leap. It's CL Brown with us here on Twitter at CL Brown hoops, read his stuff, CL Brown hoops.com. How surprised would you be at this point? If Wake Forest moves off of Danny Manning? Well, it's this is <laughs> we're in different times right now. Obviously, everybody listening right now, you know, it's I, I, probably in home confinement. So, you know, I think it's it's going to temper. That's why we haven't seen a normal kind of coaching carousel that we you, you would see at this time of the year. Yeah, I mean, it uh, probably um, saved Jim Christian's job. I mean, it's a one million dollar or so oh, buyout, sure. and he's back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think I think that's something that has to be considered. I mean, we saw what happened at Iowa State where essentially, uh, you know, a lot of their coaches, um, uh, I don't know whether to call it a pay cut or just a give back program, but, you know, their AD was talking about how uh, 25% of their, their coaches amount for 75% of their uh, salaries. And so um, – you know, with the shortfall that's going to be coming here soon, whether it's immediate in the next season or the season after that, when it really takes hold, I think ADs have to prepare for that. Um, and, and not knowing how this virus is going to affect what happens with football. And, you know, obviously most campuses, that's the cash cow. So uh, so that has to factor in. But, but the one thing that I fall back on right now is that you know, we be this is normally Final Four weekend, so it's not like we're that far advanced in the schedule to where you look up like, oh man, they hadn't made a change yet. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it could just be that that the powers that be awake are waiting for the air kind of to clear out with with everything that's going on in terms of the uh, the pandemic right now, or or it could be, you know, that his job is safe and he's coming back, but. To get back to your question, how surprised would I be um, if a change is made? Uh, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised still. Man, see, for me, the issue is just it's $15 million, and Wake doesn't have as deep of an alumni base 
to pull from. I know you got the Ben Suttons and you got the Mitch Shaws out there who have been known to pour money into athletics when they need it, but every businessman shook right now. And even if things clear up, eh, when do things necessarily get better? I know it's not the most rare thing for a coaching change to happen in May. We've seen it before. Thad Mata, for example, was fired in the middle of May. But on top of that, the financial aspect of things, if Chondi Brown and Olivier Saar decide to stay at Wake, I believe it's not hyperbolic to suggest that this team, like the way it's currently comprised with Ian Dubois being added from Houston Baptist, this might be Danny's most talented team. Do you think that is plausible? This roster right now might be the best one he's had. Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far, Josh. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's no John Collins on this team. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they, they did make the tournament with that team and and uh certainly I felt like Bryant Crawford was was a big a, a big talent under you know in in Danny's time there too um but uh it would be talented enough I mean you would look at the front court as possibly you know one of the better ones in the ACC um uh my my questions with this team is still going to be how the how the backcourt holds up uh you know with with Neith getting experience last year but still not being somebody you look at is like okay this guy is a rock solid guard you know coming into next year he's still gonna have a learning curve as well as as uh as Dubois because he's coming from you know a, a small I mean I, I don't want to discredit Houston Baptist but he's hey they won at wake a lower level they yeah, won at wake yeah, undefeated but, <laughs> but that's not a gauntlet, a twenty-game yeah. gauntlet of the ACC. So you know, um, a lot of times I feel like people uh, people mistakenly think that a transfer, a grad transfer, is just going to plug in and make things better. When certainly, I mean, Carolina found that out this year when they were depending on Christian Keelan and Justin Pierce to play bigger roles. Then, then you know, they ended up not being able to really fill those shoes. So. Um, so, you know, considering that part of it, too, um, the backcourt to me would be a huge question. That's why I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say on paper right now that this would be the most talented team. But I would say that they definitely have pieces in place to, to take another step forward. It's, it's C.L. Brown with us, one of the best college basketball minds that I know, C.L. Brown's Hoops, uh, clbrownhoops.com. You can find his work. And i got to give you credit. When the FBI investigation first went down when we first learned about it in uh october or november of 2017 you were one of the first people i talked to and you said ah i'm gonna wait and see on this because i want to see who corroborates what some of these people are saying and it turned out a lot of it wasn't co- uh, corroborated and we saw earlier in the uh, earlier this week the hbo documentary the scheme granted it's from one perspective one lens the christian dawkins side of it uh, there were a lot of flaws with this FBI investigation. I still don't know why the FBI took up this case specifically, but based on all the information you've gained in the last two and a half years, I don't know if you watched the documentary at all, but it's all public information. What is your opinion of this investigation now? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much had the same opinion as when, when it first went down. Um, to me, the FBI really had no case this was this was a matter of you know you could look at moral and ethical violations so to speak but this was not a crime you know what i mean um 
I just their their case was flimsy to begin with. To me, it almost seemed like entrapment. If I was serving on the jury, and and I did see the documentary, uh, which kind of polarized. It's, it's kind of different when you're hearing and seeing as opposed to just reading transcripts. Um, but it just seemed like the FBI was so worried about trying to get something that that to me that they uh, they baited <laughs> this kid who really is a non-factor. And you think of the general scheme of college college basketball recruiting. I mean, uh, you know, he was a very, very small fish. They asked him, only... when the feds went to his house, they asked him, we want you to give us Rick Pitino. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's crazy. It's random. Like... It's crazy. <laughs> and Pitino's back. And all the and no yeah. punishment's been handed down really by the NCAA yet. Two and a half years. Well, if Wade, Will Wade still has a job, I mean that that to me is is, and that's on the NCAA. Obviously, that has nothing to do with the FBI. Sure, but sure. It's just it's mind boggling, mind boggling. You're the best, man. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe. Thanks for spending time and in, in your home area, man. Your home turf and the triad. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me, Jeff. I got it. That's CL Brown on Twitter at CL Brown Hoops. CL Brown Hoops dot com. You can find his work. Up next, why this draft is set up for the Panthers to win big. Keep it here on The Drive. Everybody, listen up. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. I can't believe this. This is insane. I'm so frustrated with Robert Walsh right now. He's so... So much trying to take this wheel right now. So determined on trying to steer the direction we're headed in that he keeps throwing things my way. He says, Josh, I have an idea. And this is only happening because places all across the country, sports talk radio shows, they're doing all this creative stuff that they wouldn't do if there were actual games to be watching. He says, how about we throw out there the senior citizen in sports that you'd most like to have on the field of battle I, in any circumstance, this. right? We like, this is what you want to do. And you're saying to me, uh, Josh, I got this great clip of O.J. Simpson talking about, talking about Carol Baskin of Tiger King, saying that he thinks that she did it, that she fed her husband to the tiger. And now you're telling me Adam Gold, our early afternoon host who's with us now, apparently has a submission in here. So fine. I'm I'm willing to go down this path. I'm fine with it. Adam Gold, if you have a senior citizen to go to war with, who is it? Tom Brady. <laughs> oh man, that's 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 tough to beat. That that's tough to beat. Tom Brady's the answer here. And while we're going down this path of ridiculousness, on yeah. Twitter at Sports Hub Triad, at Josh Graham Radio, I simply ask the question, which of these do you find most annoying? Mispronunciations. Appalachian State, Eastern Carolina University, Raleigh Durham is one place. What bothers you? I know the third's not a mispronunciation, but I know it bothers many. Well, Eastern North Carolina is also not a mispronunciation. It's an, it's an incorrect name. Um, the, what disturbs me the most uh, would be Eastern North Carolina of those three. Eastern Carolina bothers everybody Eastern, around here. Yeah, I mean, because it's, there's, 
I mean, unless we're just talking about a general locale, then, yeah, Eastern North Carolina is a thing. But if you're referring to East Carolina, that's not a Eastern North, North Carolina is not a thing. Uh, look, if you're from the uh, if you're from uh, parts north of North Carolina, and somebody says Appalachian State, I mean they're the Appalachian Mountains, man. He's on Twitter at Adam Gold I mean, or a Gold just, fan. Sorry, but I call it Appalachian State because that's what they call it. But if I'm just referring to the mountains, it's Appalachia. But it, it, it's okay. None of it bothers me anyway. Where do you stand on the Raleigh-Durham front when people say, hey, are you from Raleigh-Durham? I'm a little tired of the complaining about it, to be honest. Okay. It's fine. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a metro area. Raleigh-Durham, uh, and actually Fayetteville, is a metro area. I'm okay with it. Uh, I just think, it, does it amuse me? Yeah, but it doesn't bother me. Do you believe that one way... I believe in the small of a woman's back. Wait a second, I'm sorry. Excellent work Bull there. I've watched Durham three times since sports stopped. I watched The Natural for the first time last week. Mm, great movie. A lot of Very holes I can point and I, I can poke into that, but I don't think that's a movie you should be poking holes into. Like, nah. why is Roy Hobbs, when he's clearly in his uh, early 30s, or he looks like he's in his early 30s at the beginning of the movie, being sold as a high school student? Huh. That yeah, doesn't. He looks, and he's in his 50s. Yeah, uh, when he makes his comeback. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's uh, there's there are a lot of holes you can poke through the natural, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that with a lot of the sports movies out there. But getting to basketball, Danny Manning, do you think a decision's already be made, uh, been made and we just don't know about it? That Wake Forest might have said, hey, Danny, you're good. We're not going to do one of those awkward press conferences like we did last year where we just say you're coming back. Here's, here's the thing about because uh, I actually started to talk about it and we got distracted when we were asking people for their lunch orders today. Uh, so I don't even know what, what, uh, what happened with What that. is your go-to cookout order, by the way? Uh, barbecue platter. Your sides? I think if you get, uh, well, it, you, it, the barbecue platter comes with, whether, whether a platter or a plate, I don't do a sandwich. Uh, it comes with hush puppies, fries, and coleslaw. We're good. That's fine. That's good. I don't need anything else in that. Oh, we're getting distracted uh, again. Thing. Whoops. Yeah. The best thing Cookout has. Um, the, here's <laughs> the thing about Manning, and I, I can make the same case for Georgia Tech and Josh Pastner. Like, this is not the climate to be doing a national coaching search anyway. Far more important things. Western Carolina gave us a pretty good example of this. Um, where they just moved on from their basketball coach of, I don't know, 17 years, don't know his name, doesn't matter, they, rather than go do a national search, which they were intending to do, they simply elevated the assistant. Don't know his name either, and I don't know the name of the AD that said this is not the time to be going through a coaching search. So to me, it's probably not the time to be doing that at Wake Forest or anywhere else. So I do think that Manning will probably get another year. Um, and I will, I will always say this. Stability is the best thing i don't think danny is great but he's going to get one more year i think to prove that he can be and also it's not like there isn't any hope for this team i i've made the argument cl brownie disagrees with me and i respect his opinion but the the roster wake has has two all acc caliber players on it 
Olivier Saar right. was third-team All-ACC. Chondi Brown, if he's healthy, he certainly qualifies as that. I believe in Jacoby sure. Neat because four of the last six games, he's scoring into double figures, and Wake's been raving about this guy even before he started doing that, and we started seeing it uh, publicly uh, or in the games at the end of the year. Isaiah Musius, he's back. This is an older team than the 2017 team. I think on paper, this might be Danny's most talented team. What do you think what? when you look at the Deeks? Talent, talent hasn't always been a problem for them anyway. They've had tons of talent. I mean, sometimes it's it's been young, but everybody's young. I've never thought young was a uh, was an excuse. They've just not done well enough with the talent that they've had. Um, so that's got to change for Manning. I mean, if he were if they were better late in games over the course, a better defensively as well over the course of the last four or five years, they would have a lot more wins. Um, so it, to me, it's never been about talent. Uh, he's recruited pretty well. Uh, they have not retained talent, and they have not maximized the talent when it's been there. So uh, do I have any reason to believe that's going to change? No, not really. Uh, but I do think he's ultimately going to get another year because uh, I think we're going to be dealing with this pandemic, uh, which will probably delay the resumption of sports for uh, months as opposed to, uh, you know, six to eight weeks and I just is this is not the time to be to be moving on uh, not to mention I would imagine disposable income from boosters is going to change so uh, but I think Danny's going to ultimately get another year and he's going to have a chance um, but it's been about player retention and maximizing their roster uh, more than anything else Adam Gold with us, a Gold fan on Twitter. It's the Adam Gold Show, noon to three, that you can listen to each day right here on Sports Hub Triad. Saw the news last night that the Open Championship in late July has been canceled, not postponed, canceled. And the U.S. Open is postponed. That's an announcement from earlier this week. I reached out to the folks at uh, the Wyndham Championship, which is three weeks after the Open Championship that just got canceled in Greensboro for comment or to have Mark Brazel on the show. And they said they're still trying to figure out what the heck is happening over the next few weeks before they're going to have any comment on what's happening here. But what do you think about the Wyndham Championship, which I think is the triad's crown jewel when it comes to sports each year? Uh, it's a great event. I went, uh, I've been a few times, and I went last year. Uh, and I went a few years ago and Tiger showed up the only time Tigers played there. Uh, and it, you would have thought it was a major championship. I mean, literally they were like seven deep on the first tee when I watched Tiger tee off. It was insane to be there. And I walked around talking to people, uh, like you always coming up. Nope. This is the first time. Uh, I said, why are you here? He goes, got to see the man. He may never come back. Um, look, uh, I, I think golf is the most likely sport to return because it can be easily played without fans. I don't think golf's coming back anytime soon. Uh, and I think if it does come back, they will probably try and get major championships in as opposed to regular tour events. Uh, but I frankly don't think we're going to see it. Uh, I haven't seen the U.S. Open, which is in uh, Westchester, New York, at Wingfoot. I haven't seen that tournament canceled or postponed yet. What I did see was that they were going to make a, make a decision on that in the middle of this month, which, frankly, I don't even know why you're waiting, because the epicenter of the coronavirus in New York is five miles 
from Wingfoot in New Rochelle. Um, I actually did a, uh, a Google Maps search. It's actually 4.8 miles from Wingfoot to New Rochelle. So I just don't see that happening. I don't know what the USGA is waiting for. The RNA denied the Golf Digest report. And New York um, Post. They denied the New York Post as of today. Well, the, 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 the RNA, because uh, the initial report on the, on the uh, Open Championship was uh, was published by Golf Digest. Gotcha. And the RNA declined to say, nope, th- none of that's true. Uh, look, I think we, if they want to delay canceling these events, fine. Um, but ultimately, they're going to cancel them. Uh, I just I just don't see um, being able to conduct these uh, without having played any events between, you know, what, two weeks ago and when we get into the middle of the summer when it should be, when it, when this we might be on the other side of this curve. Uh, and we don't know where England is going to be. We don't know where the U.K. is going to be uh, when we get to that point. Um, but I'm all for the hope that these things happen. I just don't think any of them are going to happen. Adam Gold with us here. It's the Adam Gold Show, noon to 3 tomorrow. Look forward to hearing from you tomorrow, Adam. Thanks for doing this. Hey, you got it, man. We'll talk to, you guys. talk to you later. That's Adam Gold spending some time. All right, Robert. Give me give me the senior citizen you'd like to have in a battle right now. I think... In a world where there's no COVID-19, of course. I think I'm Because going... I don't think you'd want a senior citizen by your side at this moment. I think I'm going Hulk Hogan. Wow. He's still ripped. He's still massive. He's like 6'6". I think he could take down just about anybody. Aaron, where are you going? But can't have Orenthal James. You can have Orenthal Orenthal James. (laughs) It happens. I'm going Bobby Knight. Mm. Bobby looked rough a few months ago. Give him a chair, though, man. I feel like if he gets the first toss. Can I hear from OJ? Yeah, for sure. OJ on his Twitter, just leading com- uh, just lending comment to the Tiger King and Carol Baskin. Hey, Twitter world, yours truly. I just got back from the golf course where I actually played pretty well. well that's good. Uh, now it's back at home, back to the couch, and back to television. Listen, I've had so many people on my case ask me to watch some show called Tiger King. Well, yesterday I watched this show. And, oh, my God, is America in this bad a shape? I watched about six episodes of this show, and I couldn't even believe what I was looking at. White people, what's with you and wild animals? Leave them animals alone. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. (laughs) The show is crazy. But it's so crazy, you kind of keep watching. One thing I will say, there's not a shred of doubt in my mind that that lady's husband is – Tiger Shushimi right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> Take care, and I hope you find something better to watch. He's a delightful man when you don't think about the fact that he probably killed two people. Allegedly. That's why I said probably. Uh, I don't know. Probably is... is That's not going to hold up in yeah. court law. Well, the civil court did. Yeah. I could say Probably. You can say whatever the hell you want to. It's your show. Well, no, I can't say whatever the hell I want to. Actually. You could. Would be ramifications, but you could. No, Robert has a button. He's obligated to push if I say certain things. Nah, if Josh said it, I'd probably just let it slide. Let's test it. 
Let's not. Darren Vaught going to join us in 30 minutes. We're going to play. We're going to return our throwback Thursday baseball game. But a prominent NFL media member says Matt Rule's going to win a Super Bowl. Is that plausible? Well, that's next on The Drive. No mercy, no pity, no fear. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. In tough times, we turn to one of our favorite segments. All last summer, we figured out who the nickelbacks of Major League Baseball were. Not the best players of the 2000s. Not like the Chipper Joneses of the world. Not like the Derek Jeters. No, we were looking for the Marcus Giles is out there. We were looking for not necessarily a Miguel Tejada, but maybe... A Jay Gibbons would do from the Baltimore Orioles, who I'm a fan of. That's what we did all last summer. And we did it with Darren Vaught, who we're sharing with. We are sharing with Darren. You might know him from USA Baseball. You might know him from a ton of other places. You might know him on Twitter, at Darren Vaught. He's back on the show. And hey, Darren. Hey, Josh. How are you, my man? I'm doing great. So, in past visits, we said that we were going to bring this segment back and we were looking for the band of the last decade, since the decade just finished up, who was the most like Nickelback. And what we came up with was Imagine Dragons. So, we're not doing the Nickelbacks of Major League Baseball. We're not looking for 2000s players anymore. We're looking for players who best encompass the decade that just happened. So, not necessarily the best guys we're not looking for the Miguel Cabrera types or the Mike Trout types we're looking for more average but memorable players of the last 10 years that we're calling the Imagine Dragons of baseball Robert hit the imaging we discovered who the nickelbacks of Major League Baseball were. Doug Mankiewicz, Marcus Giles, Johnny Estrada. He might be a top five nickelback of Major League Baseball. Look at this photograph. Now we're looking for the players who embodied the last decade of baseball. Salted a swat? No, not the best players. This is the Imagine Dragons of 2010's baseball. I am so excited for this, Darren. And I think this might be more difficult to do than the Nickelbacks. No, it's going to be. It, it's absolutely going to be. I, I think we're going to find it hard to choose guys who were relevant enough but not too good. And we've got to, I, I think there's a ground rule we've got to set right out of the gate. Do they, do they not count if they are still currently playing? It's a great question. I think if they're currently active, they still can be, uh, they could still be a Imagine Dragon. However, they need to be definitely trending downward. Like they couldn't yeah, have had a good okay. year in the last few years. So let's go ahead and knock out guys. And the team that we're doing today, we're looking for Houston Astros. The Astros were the team of the offseason. Everybody was talking about the Astros before we knew what coronavirus was. So, let's knock out ones that we know are not 
eligible for this. Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman for sure, Dallas Keuchel for sure. What do you think about Yuli Gurriel? Uh, too good, too recent. I yeah, too good, too recent. Josh Reddick as well. I think Marwin Gonzalez is not uh, eligible either. Sure, and even though in their very, very, very bad days he was a Houston Astro, he's now very serviceable as a Minnesota Twin. So that yeah, that doesn't count. Okay, I've got three here that I think are the absolute best. Three that I think are unbelievable, and one at the very top, Darren. It's a pitcher. Do you think we have the same one at the top of our list? Uh, I'm skeptical, but we can say them out loud at the same time. I don't think we have the same one. Let's not do that. Just give me one. Wade LeBlanc. Too obscure. I don't even remember. No, no. Too obscure. I don't know who Wade LeBlanc is. Who's I Wade LeBlanc? Gonna happen. See, that's where that's where we're going to get in trouble with me. I, I had a tendency to go obscure with the early 2000s anyways. That's it's definitely going to be the case for the, the 2010. The best one on my list is Bud Norris. Yeah, he was next on my list. Bud Norris is the very top of my list, and he's joined among the pitching corps by Brad Peacock. <laughs> Brad Peacock's really good. Um, this one might border on obscurity, but just because it's a wonderful name. I know who you're going to say. I want to say it at the Brett, same time. What about Brett Overholzer? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I also have another great name, but I think it might be too obscure. Left fielder L.J. Hose. <laughs> Both are true. Great name. Far too obscure to yeah, imagine. It's not, it's not an Imagine Dragon. If you have any you would like to submit, by the way, 336-777-1600. Robert, it didn't deserve an, uh, an Imagine Dragon. 777-1600 if you want to play along. In terms of hitters, this is, I think, the definition of the game. If you're looking for a definition of what we're looking for, it is designated hitter Evan Gaddis. Yeah. I started to say R.I.P., but really he just announced that he's retiring from baseball the other day. So not R.I.P. R.I.P. Evan Gaddis's baseball playing career. 248 hitter. Yeah. All right. I got another wild card here. So L.J. Ho's way too obscure. Mike Fires. Is he, is he a, an Imagine Dragons? <laughs> he just threw a no-hitter like within the past two years. Now, that, there have been some obscure players throw no-hitters, so I think he fits, right? He's not too good. The only reason people know Mike Fires is because he uncovered everything. He's the one that whistle-blew the entire Astros deal. And again, before that, I would have said it's because he threw a no-hitter. So I think he, he qualifies in every case. Perfect. Throw me another. Uh, I've got a couple of position players first baseman in particular okay brett wallace too obscure damn all right this is tough uh chris carter yeah that's a good one (laughs) catcher jason castro wait (laughs) jason castro yes Yes! that might be the best one that i've done something about catchers 
these lists, for whatever reason, they lend themselves to catchers. I don't know. How about with a 29-22 and 22 record, only played for the Astros, and spent seven years in the league, Lance McCullers Jr.? Yeah. Damn right. That might be our best pitcher answer. Better than Bud Norris. Maybe not. I don't know. Does it matter? All right. Do you have anything left? Um, I've got, well, I, I, these, these guys don't count, but it's interesting to me that 2013 was the first year that the Astros went back to their blue and orange, right? The, the sort of the older, old school, but we know it is the, yeah, the modern. Yeah, away from set. like the crimson and gold type look. Correct. But they had some guys on that roster who, if they weren't nickelbacks, they're very good major leaguers today. J.D. Martinez was on that team and in the Astros Stop. system nope. at that time. Definitely doesn't qualify. You're right. I've got a couple right. of nickelbacks who were on that team. Rick Ankiel and Eric Bedard. Nickelbacks! Well, nickelback time. Not an Imagine Dragon. That's a nickelback, Rick Ankiel. <laughs> there he is. Aw, <laughs> oh, croak. Uh, I'm out. I think if we're putting together our lineup here... Bud Norris, if our pitching staff is Bud Norris, Mike Fires, Lance McCullers Jr., Brad B- Brad Peacock, uh, and I'm trying to think of some of the ones that you just threw at me, who else would round out our uh, pitching staff of Norris, Peacock, Lance McCullers Jr., and Mike Fires? I need a fifth starter. Isn't there a little Clemens we can throw in there? Like they, They've signed and had two of Roger Clemens' sons on their roster. Nah. If you can't <laughs> say their name, this is not what we're doing Everyone here. Everyone in this room. Yeah, probably not. All right, Darren. That's the first edition of the the Imagine Dragons of Major League Baseball. The Astros being this week's team. I got to ask you this, though, while we got you. We are sharing with Darren. It's an abbreviated stretch because Darren is confined to his home, even though... You played golf earlier today. I did. How, how'd you shoot it? Socially, socially distancing myself. Uh, so I, we played a weird format, but I, I hit it well. Like I'm, I'm comfortable saying I, I hit it well because of the format. Not comfortable like bragging on a score. Which of these do you find the most annoying? Appalachian State, Eastern Carolina University, or Raleigh Durham is one place. The Raleigh-Durham as one place does not annoy me as much as it does others because I understand the concept, the theory. It's a market. It's an area. It's probably Appalachian, like that, or Appalachian. Either way, if it's the hard cha or sha, that just that bothers me because no one in the Appalachians says it that way. You're the man, Darren. It's good to hear from you. Of course. Talk to you guys again soon. There you go. That's Darren Vaught. He's on Twitter, at Darren Vaught. We'll do this every single week. Robert doesn't know what to do because Robert doesn't know any of these guys. Aaron, if you think you don't know much about baseball, let me introduce you to one, Robert Lee Walsh. Not a baseball guy in any way. Uh, yeah, I, I tell Robert I know a little bit of baseball, but if like, you know Robert less knows baseball some than me, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, he knows some Braves. Yeah. Brent tweets in, just got in the car and I hate I miss baseball. No more Astros I could think of from the last 10 years. 
who who fit this category. I think it's going to be a lot harder to do this than nickel bags. Trying to think. I'm looking at my list. Colby Rasmus, he doesn't belong. Oh, shoot. We need to get Darren back on the line. Can we do that, please? Uh, I think we're running out of minutes on our Oh, no. I, I have one question I have to ask Darren. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I forgot to ask him about these two players. I feel so ashamed. This this actually hurts my feelings. I forgot to ask Darren about this. Do we have Darren? Darren, I forgot to ask you about two players. Okay. <laughs> I was really excited about this. I had it written down in all caps. Eric Bedard. Well, that's that's who I mentioned. Wandy Rodriguez, though. Wandy. Wandy's got to make the list. Yeah! All right, for real. Goodbye. Thanks for doing this. All right. Adios. There you go. Thanks for doing that. We lost him, and then he's back. Is Danny Manning safe and we just don't know it? That's next on The Drive. Providing you with a kind of sports programming that makes some people laugh. (laughs) But most people just wince. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. ESPN's going to be broadcasting what I believe to be the greatest football game of my lifetime later on tonight. USC facing Texas, 2006 Rose Bowl. Last night I was watching 2016 Game 7 NBA Finals between the Cavs and Golden State. It's Cleveland's first title since 1964. And it had me thinking... Is that the most impactful, most significant NBA basketball game that's been played, let's say, in the last 20 years? Like, since Michael Jordan finished up with the Bulls, is that the most significant basketball game that's been played in the NBA? Coming back from a 3-1 to deficit, something that's never happened in NBA Finals history beating a team that had the NBA record in wins, that Golden State team. And on top of that, I just mentioned Cleveland winning a title for the first time since 1964. LeBron winning Cleveland that title and doing so, returning like he said he would, and delivering on what his promise was. The fact that it was LeBron and it was his finest moment, I think his signature moment, beating that Golden State team that, is one of the best teams we've ever seen assembled. The comeback, the quality of the game, the block by LeBron, Kyrie Irving hitting the shot. I think that's the most significant NBA game because if it doesn't happen that way, if Golden State wins, I don't think they break up that team. I think Harrison Barnes returns. I don't think Kevin Durant decides to join Golden State. I really don't. And I think it changes NBA history. I really do. If Golden State runs it back the same way, Cleveland has a better shot against those Warriors in 2017. He has a shot in 2018 too, LeBron does. But with Kevin Durant joining Golden State, it was a wrap. It wasn't going to happen. So 2016, I, I put that up against any other game the last 20 
years or so that's been played in the NBA. Significant. If you disagree on Twitter at Sports Up Triad, 336-777-1600. Maybe there's a blind spot I've had. Maybe there's something I haven't considered. In terms of Texas, USC, and we'll get to the Danny Manning stuff in a bit. I view that to be the greatest game of my lifetime, football game, because it had the perfect story arc. You're talking about two unbeaten teams, Texas, USC. You can't have something in the NFL that feels as big as two unbeaten teams meeting in a championship game. There's nothing you can have in that sport that feels that big. The Rose Bowl. Something that feels that special. That stadium, it doesn't hold many games. That game there, that place, it represents something. And having Keith Jackson broadcasting at that time, the atmosphere was perfect. The story arc was perfect. You have two unbeaten teams and still a legitimate favorite in USC because they won the previous year. Yet Texas is down. They come back. We love underdog stories. We love comebacks. And improbably... They snatched one away from Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, and Pete Carroll in the final seconds with Vince Young. Also, just so many stars in this game. Immense talent on display. 62 players who played in this game went on to play in the National Football League. Think about that for a second. NFL teams are only permitted 53 guys, and a handful of them don't play in the game. 62 that played in this college football game dressed and played in an NFL regular season game. 14 first-round picks. I'm trying to think, Robert. Do we even have that in the NFL anywhere? A team that has two teams meeting each other and having seven first-round picks apiece going up against each other. Like, that's unlikely to get... You would need guys to play that long and to keep guys on their second contract. Keeping first-round picks together, 14's a lot, period, in the NFL. Then you have, just for these two teams, 38 players who have been picked in the first three rounds. So the talent, it's legitimate stars. Vince Young, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, Jamal Charles. Mac Brown versus Pete Carroll. Do we have the story Mac Brown told earlier today on social media where I hadn't heard this before? He told us what he was doing the day of this championship game. I hadn't heard this story before. Mac's one of our favorite guests, one of the best storytellers you're going to find among coaches. This is what he said he was doing the morning of that championship game in 2006. So you're getting ready to play for the national championship. You're sitting in your room by yourself. Crowds are so crazy. You moved your team to a a hotel that nobody knows where you are. But what do you tell them? What do you tell them before the game? So I'm sitting there and I'm not sure what's going on. I'm flipping TV and I see this show, Jerry Springer. A little crazy. There's three 30-minute episodes. I watch all three. I love Mac adding in there. A little crazy. As if we don't know what's up with Jerry Springer. So he takes that to the locker room. And here's how he applies that to the guys who are probably getting set to play the biggest game of their lives. I'm going to tell you something that's going to change your life for the good. It's going to help you win the game and change your life. 
I had on then. They were all locked in. And I said, so how many of you have ever seen the show Jerry Springer? Everyone of them raised their hand to my amazement. And I said, well, let me tell you something I learned this morning because I watched three shows. If your girlfriend or your wife ever asks you to come on the Jerry Springer show, don't go, man. It ain't good, brother. And they all died laughing. And I said, that's right. We didn't come here to be uptight. We've got a good team. We just have to be us. Don't try to do too much. Let's go enjoy winning the national championship. I feel like he might have been warning a couple of his guys who might not have known. Hey, Vince Young, stay away from Jerry Springer. It's good advice from a coach. Maybe some of the guys aren't familiar. Like Jerry Springer... That might be one of the few shows we can all come together as a country and admit that is garbage television. That doesn't mean you're not going to watch it, but we can agree. I think on racial grounds, on gender grounds, age grounds, we can all come together in unity as a country and saying, Jerry Springer, that is a guilty pleasure TV show by definition, right, Robert? I would agree with that. So that's what Mac Brown was exposing to his guys. And another reason why I think Texas USC is the greatest football game of my lifetime. It had multiple memorable moments. A good game, you're lucky to have one. Great game, you might have two. This game, there are three that stick out to me more than anything else. Three memorable moments that still stick with me. Reggie Bush, the fumble, where he feels so locked in, so comfortable. He's having such an incredible year. He thinks he can cut it back from the left sideline and then try to lateral the ball. Whoever he was lateraling it to was stunned he would even try to do something like that. Gives the ball away to Texas. If he doesn't do that, I think USC wins the title. It's a one-possession game. USC has the football. It's late and they don't want to give it back to Vince Young. Fourth and one. Fourth and inches. Everybody remembers Bush, but I bet most people might not remember Lindale White. He had a couple of years with the Titans. Chris Johnson, when he was drafted there, it was Chris Johnson and Lindale White. That was a good combo for a few years. But in college, he was just a bruiser. This is a perfect goal line bat. Massive. Girthy. Round. And this guy on the goal line uh, was just impossible to stop. So in this situation, you're giving him the ball fourth and one. You feel very good if you're Pete Carroll. You feel good if you're Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin, all together on the same staff. And Michael Huff had an incredible jump on the ball. It was the Huff stuff. He stuffed it inside to give Texas the ball back. And, of course, the moment that everybody remembers from this game, it's fourth down because, of course, it is. Less than 20 seconds, Vince breaks out of the pocket. Keith Jackson has the great call. He wants the corner, and he's got it. It's the greatest football game of my lifetime because of the talent, the stars on display. 62 playing in the NFL, 14 first-round picks, 38 in the first three rounds. It's the perfect story arc, the perfect story told, and it had multiple, I think, three memorable moments you can draw from even the day. On Twitter at SportsUpDry at 336-777-1600, the phone number. 
Wake Forest, I think, isn't in a position to make a move off Danny Manning if they wanted to. They may have already told Danny, hey, you're coming back. Now that I'm for sure exit interviews have been done. Wake Forest, last year they announced that Danny was coming back. It was an awkward press conference, but that's a different AD in Ron Wellman. It's a different PR staff. It's a different approach. So there's a chance he could already know he's coming back because it seems like he's recruiting like it on social media. He's quite active there. I do believe, though, you cannot convince me otherwise. I do believe John Curry wanted to make a change a month ago. he, uh, You saw the report from David Glenn, the final week of the regular season, that Wake had started negotiations with Danny Manning's camp on a buyout. Negotiations began. It didn't happen. But also, let's remember, that reporting never happened last year either. We didn't have that when Danny Manning returned. If you're going into buyout negotiations, you're close to it being over. I was told it's just a matter of details at that point. But I also was told that Jim Christian, for sure, is gone. So this is before the world changed. These things can be accurate, both of them, that they were negotiating a buyout and now the circumstances are such, we don't know if we could raise $15 million in a buyout. We don't want to do that. We also don't want to raise the money to get a new basketball coach in here. All these things can be true together. So if you're just going to fire off at the ACC Sports uh, Journal report for being wrong, if Danny does in fact come back, I do think there are instances a decision's made that a guy is going to go or you have the intent on firing somebody, and then for whatever reason it doesn't happen. In fact, I know a local precedent for this. Let's go back 20 years where credible outlets in Chapel Hill had reported, and heck, even CBS Sports reported, that Carl Torbush had been fired. Carl Torbush fired at North Carolina after some average seasons. He was 10-13 and in two years replacing Mac Brown. Even though he was 2-0 in bowl games, he had an under 500 record. He was set to be fired, and the report says that Dick Bedore refused to comment on Torbush's job status. Then Torbush kept his job. Torbush came back in 2000, but we learned after the fact Dick Bedore did tell people that he was firing Torbush. He told people he was going to do that. It wasn't a lie. It was factual. He was going to fire him. Then he changed his mind. And the world didn't change in 1999 the way that it's changing right now. I believe Wake Forest had the intent of getting rid of Danny Manning. I do. You don't negotiate a buyout unless that is your intent. But circumstances changed. The coronavirus outbreak, it it saved Jim Christian's job at BC. And I think it's going to save Danny Mannix. The only way that changes is if Olivier Saar and Chandi Brown transfer. They haven't. And they haven't said they're going to go pro. I see them in these Zoom meetings. Or at least the screen grab that Danny Manning put up on his Twitter page. So if those two are back, Wake's got a pretty good team and they have something to sell. 
You're either selling hope or you're selling success. Wake doesn't have a lot of success to sell, but there is the hope with this roster, which we've been covering the last few months. Eh, It's pretty good. It's looking pretty good for 2021. Robert, what do you got in Ticket to the House? Sometimes all you need is your granny. Truer words have never been spoken. We take it to the house next.